Welcome to the Airborne Youth Podcast. Today you'll be hearing a message from a guest speaker. You're called to be heirs of Christ. You're carrying his glory. You're carrying his very nature and his DNA on the inside of you. Amen. So why don't you just put your hands up in the air and sniff your neighbor. All right, go ahead. Sit down. <laughs> uh, you guys, I tricked you. Y'all thought we was about to do something spiritual. I just said you. Let's do a deodorant check on your neighbor. There it is. Hey, I'm going to warn all you guys right here. I am a preacher. I, d- I do spit sometimes. So you might get extra anointed right in this section. And so, um, hey, listen, I'm, I'm pumped to be here tonight. I got my book for sale. It's just right over there. It's only 12 bucks, 11.99. I wrote this. It released um, a year and a half ago or so. This book will absolutely change your life. Everybody here needs to get it. And uh, it's full of stories of young people just like you who have been through tough times that encountered God, and it will absolutely bless your life. How many guys know your life speaks? How many guys know people are looking at you and they're going, you're weird. What are you, what's, you, what's you about? How many guys got friends that don't know Christ and they're looking at you and they're like, you don't make sense, you know? And, and the bottom line is, is that the choices that we make, the encounters we have, the beliefs that we carry, the voices we listen to, it all shapes what our life is speaking. How many guys know you're born to walk in the supernatural? See, I told you, bro. We're going to get tight right here. You're born... To walk in the supernatural. You were created to demonstrate a supernatural God. But if you don't understand how to do that, then you'll miss what the Lord has for you. And the Lord wants us to renew our minds to do that. This is a really small, simple book, and it will help you and encourage you. i got a story in here about friends that have been, been delivered from homosexuality, set free from that. Cutting scars, dissolving off of people's arms. And, and kids walking in the supernatural, getting words of knowledge for friends at school, and just doing the stuff, releasing miracles, carrying revivals. Slap somebody around you and say, it's talking about you, Jack. You were born to carry revival. Amen. Born to carry revival. January 24th. Is that somebody's birthday? January 24th. Does that mean anything to anybody here? January 27th? January 24th or 27th? Does that mean anything to anybody here? It's your daughter? Yep, here you go. I'll just kind of, there you go. There you go. So I have it for sale right over there. It's $11.99. When your parents get here, just tell them, Mom. I need to buy a book. I need $12. I'm going to go over there and get it, and I will read it. Amen? Can you guys do that? All right. There you go. It'll change your life. And so um, we're going to play a video here, and uh, what this is is this is Dante. Dante created this video for us to launch our youth ministry called Young Saints. How many guys know we are no longer sinners? Once you come to Christ, your old man died with Christ 2,000 years ago. It's no longer who you are. You are a saint of God. That is the very nature you're carrying on the inside of you. It's the DNA of Christ. And so we've named our youth ministry Young Saints because we believe that this generation is the most powerful generation that's ever been on the face of the planet. You are called to carry signs and wonders and, and miracles and power to your school, to your campuses, and to release it on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So this was a promo video for one of our youth conferences that we did. And you guys can just watch and enjoy. Come on, it's talking about you, huh?
Talking about you. That's right. All of creation is waiting for you. There you go. If you care about your car, then check this out. That sounded like my voice. I don't even know what I was talking about right there. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You know, I just want to have fun with you guys tonight and share some stories. I might preach a message. I got 500 I could share, but I don't even know if I'm going to do that. I want to tell you guys some stories. How many of you guys like stories? Yep, me too. We have a ministry at our church called Healing Rooms, and sick people come from all over the world by the hundreds every weekend to come and get prayer because they get healed. And so years ago, we had uh, a couple come and um, a family, and one of the guys that leads the healing rooms, a section of the healing rooms, he gathers all the little children together, and before everybody gets there, they gather in a room. And he asks the kids, who's God healing? What's he doing? And the kids sit there in the presence of the Lord, and they get words of knowledge for what God's about to do. And these little kids are sitting there, and this seven-year-old little girl shouts out, rabies! And he was like, rabies, okay. And he, this guy went to West Point. He's a very, you know, he's a leader and, yeah, very educated so he just kind of writes up and he, he, he writes down rabies. I guess God's healing. I don't even know if anybody has rabies anymore, but okay. He just writes down rabies. And then some other kids say these things that people are, God is healing, and he just writes them down. Ten minutes later, he walks out into the sanctuary, and there's lots of people there. And this couple walks up to him from another nation, and they need prayer. And the, the wife gets prayer, and she gets touched. And the daughter needs prayer, and she gets touched. And then comes to the husband, and the husband's like, yeah, I, I, have, I need prayer. I got a lot of pain in my knee because I got bit by a dog years, a couple years ago. And the guy goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The prayer servant goes, do you have rabies? <laughs> and the guy goes, yes, how did you know that? Ten minutes ago, we were back there praying, and one of the seven-year-olds said, God's going to heal somebody today who has rabies. Praise for the guy. A wind from heaven comes down, and he physically feels this this cold air goes through his body, and the pain, whoop, hit his knee, and he gets instantly healed. Whoop, right out of his knee. I love that story. Another time in the healing rooms, there was um, a guy who showed up. He's a big trucker dude. Got a trucker hat and everything. Trucker gut, you know. And uh, he walks in, and uh, it's called prophetic. It's a trucker gut, or dad bod. Anyways. And so he walks in, and he doesn't even believe God is real. God's not real. Whatever. But I've been diagnosed with lung cancer. This is my only chance, is what he's saying in his mind. So he shows up, becomes walking in, and uh, he wants the big man, the senior pastor, to come pray for him and lay hands on him. He doesn't want all these prayer servants that are around here. He wants the big pastor. That's just what's in his mind. Well, Bill Johnson is nowhere around. Bill Johnson is not going to come pray for him. He's probably off traveling somewhere. But he comes walking in, and he's got this mindset, you know, I want the big man to come pray for him. So they, they get his information. He's got lung cancer. Okay, he needs healing there. Okay, so then they, they bring him into this room, and they say, okay, this nine-year-old boy is going to come pray for you. And he's like, in his mind, he's like, really? Oh, my gosh. But he doesn't want to be rude to the nine-year-old, so he's like, cool. He doesn't even believe in God again, but 
He's like, all right, I'll give you a shot, God, if you're really real. We can do something with this lung cancer. This little, little nine-year-old boy comes walking up to him and just touches him in the chest. And the, the fire of God hits this guy like a, like a giant Hulk Hogan fist. He falls down to the ground. And then this little, go- little boy hovers over top of him. Thank you, Jesus, that you're healing my friend. And just releases healing over this big trucker. I mean, the guy's like six foot four, you know, or something. And he's laying there on the ground as waves of God's presence just comes over him from this nine-year-old little boy. Guy gets completely healed. Goes back to the doctor. All the lung cancer is gone. It's amazing. Now the guy, I love, I love, I see him constantly just walking around Bethel. And he seriously is just the happiest dude. He loves Jesus. He got born again, obviously. And, uh. And he just walks around, he prays for people now in healing rooms, and he's just amazing. He just, he just got rocked by God. Because a nine-year-old boy realized, these babies are loaded. Amen? How many of you guys ever get bored in church? Is it legal to say the pastor's watching? I'll raise my hand, take a risk. We all get bored in church. Do you know why? Because you weren't designed to just come and fill a spot on the carpet. On the carpet. Yeah, on the carpet. That was like totally, I'm going to Jersey tomorrow. Maybe that's a, a sign. You weren't designed to come just take a spot on the carpet. You were actually designed to destroy hell with your life. And lift up Jesus and have the most exciting life possible. Now, I've not always been a, a Christian. I mean, I've always believed in Jesus. But, like, when I was a junior and a little guy, I, I, I met Christ when I was just, when I was just a kid. And, but then, you know, in my, in my junior high years, I made stupid choices. Everybody say stupid choices. Has anybody ever had done that before besides me? Yes. Okay. So, you know, I made stupid choices, which was I started hanging out with the wrong people. And, you know, it's been said before, show me your friends and I will show you your future. You will become who you hang out with. And so I started hanging out with the wrong friends in junior high and high school years. And, uh, you know, I loved God as a kid, but I just needed this approval from these from these friends. And so, oh, should I tell this story? Yes, I shall. You guys are going to get the lowdown tonight. All right. Just letting you all know unedited there's no tv cameras god knows what could happen right now (laughs) it's podcast hello miss podcast people here you go and so here i am i'm 12 years old i go to church and after church is over me and my friend eric we go over to kmart because we needed to go do some stuff you know on the lowdown and eric was not exactly the best example in my life I wasn't really the best for him either, but we were not good for each other. And my parents were actually trying to tell us, tell me, I don't want you hanging out with this guy. But I didn't listen. I didn't obey my mom and dad. Therefore, some bad stuff happened. So we go to Kmart one day after church and because um, we were going to go steal, steal condoms. And so we go over to, I'm 12 years old. I thought, I'm so cool right now. Actually, in my mind, I was just terrified out of my mind. I was scared to death, you know. But, like, he was like, oh, my God, we're going to do that. So we go over there to Kmart, and we're sitting there, and, and we're, we're looking at, like, the, the glasses, you know, and we're looking at the glasses, and, and all of a sudden he goes, go for it. And this guy was influencing me. I didn't want to do this, you know what I'm saying? But, like, 
this guy was influencing me, and I needed his approval in my life. I know none of you have ever needed approval from somebody else in your life, so you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But here I am. I'm looking at the condoms, and, and I grab a package, and I go to shove it in my pocket. My pocket's zipped up. So I unzip it, and then I shove it in, and then I zip it down. It's like totally covert. Nobody saw that, right? So then we're walking out, and we're leaving Kmart. And have you ever been walking down the hall, and it's just like really slow motion echoing? And I'm just walking out of there. And I get out of Kmart, we walk out of the front doors, and all of a sudden, I feel somebody slap me on the back and said, that's far enough, son, you're coming with me. And the security guard busted us. At that very moment, what the security guard did not know is I had a full bladder and nowhere to go with it in this parking lot except a full exorcism right there on my body. At the time, back in 1990, your business, all we had available for underwear was whitey tidies. No boxer briefs, no colors, just white. I turned my whitey tidies yellow in a few seconds. I mean, I released the river of Tom right out of my shorts, down into my... is this preacher why did you bring him here sorry i'm just gonna be raw and real for you guys i peed all over the place filled my shoes you know i mean it was just like the security guard's like you come with me drags me back to this room throws me in this closet and he says undo your shorts son let me see if you got anything else in there and i'm like ashamed of my yellow tidies you know here i am calls my parents my parents are like what are you doing? Where are you at? And they, they come. My mom, she's, she's my, my mom's Italian. She's about this tall. I know I don't look Italian, but, you know, I got beat with more wooden spoons than Betty Crocker ever made herself. And so <laughs> I, my parents take me home. I spent half my seventh grade year grounded from hanging out with the wrong people. You know, here's the deal. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Whoever you connect with is the direction your life is going to go. If you want to change your life, if you want to get on fire for God, then you need to get, on, get around people that are on fire. When I was at Airborne as a teenager, I was like, I'm so cool. I cannot connect with any of these people. Have you seen the size of my cannons? You obviously haven't. I'm so much bigger than you, and I had an attitude, you know, and stuff like that. But all it took was a few people reaching out and just saying, hey, come and hang out with me. I want to tell you guys right now, you're one friendship away from bringing revival into this place. Because when people walk in here, they want to know, am I going to connect with a clique or am am I going to actually be able to make friends with people who can actually love me, love the hell right out of me? So what I needed somebody to do to my life was love the hell out of me. Does that make sense? No, I'm not giving you permission to cuss. What I'm telling you is, is I had a lot of crud in my life that needed to go, and it was only going to come through people accepting me and loving me and pulling me into their heart. So when I was 18 years old, I spent my junior high and high school years away from God, making stupid choices. Until one day it was just like, man, God, you're either real or you're not. And, and so I began to get into the Bible and just say, Jesus, if you're real, I, I need to know you. I'm tired of religion. I'm tired of what everybody else says. I need to know, are you real for me? And I began to read the Bible for myself. And I just began to get alone with God. And I just began to read. And all of a sudden, things began to just leap off the page. And God just began to come real to me. And one day I was 18 years old, and I went to church, and, and you know what happened was I had a girlfriend that was Mormon, go figure, Utah, and uh, at 18 years old, we finally broke up, you know, and it was the best thing that ever happened for me, to, 
to, to ditch this relationship because my wife is hot and that girl is ugly. That's just the bottom line. <laughs> you can check her out on Instagram. Don't check her out. But like, you can see us. You can Instagram. You can see my family. And so Tom Crandall, go to my Instagram. You can see it. And um, anyway, so when we broke up, it was the best thing because right there, my life began to just take off in God. Why? Because I, and here's what's crazy. I lost all my friends when I chose Jesus. How many guys have ever, it's, it's cost you something to serve God? Yeah. I've been made fun of. I've been ridiculed, mocked. But you know what I've never had happen? I never had somebody threaten to take my life. I know people that have. And so, you know, I lose all my friends, and I was, it was hard. It was like this tough decision. Like, God, now I want to serve you. And, and, and like, I, I, this is hard. I lost all my friends. But it was the best thing that could ever happen. Because at that moment, I was working at a car dealership, and one lady, one lady walks up to me, and she said, Tom, you got a girlfriend? And it hit me. Man, I was like, yeah, I got a girlfriend. What's her name? I said, Jesus. And she's, she's like, excuse me? Jesus is my girlfriend. And she was like, I don't understand. I said, I give Jesus all my time, my affection, my money. My life belongs to Jesus. That's who the love of my life is. Because I'd spent years coming, either going into a relationship, coming out of a relationship, or looking for a relationship because I was searching for significance and somebody accepting me for who I was. But when I found Christ, I didn't need the approval of other people because I got it in Jesus and how he felt about me from the encounters I had with him. Yeah. See, but the spirit of this world says you got to look like so-and-so. Girls got to look like a Victoria's Secret model. Guys got to look like, you know, you, you got to look like Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know. He looks chunky. Anyways, <laughs> you got to be chiseled, yo. You got to be cool. Got to have be like X, Y, Z. And it's the spirit of this world trying to rob you and just get your attention. But when you get focused on Jesus for yourself in the face of your doubts, in the face of of wondering about yourself, and you invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet with you in that moment, you'll encounter God in your life. will never be the same again. Here's the bottom line, guys. There is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. God wants to empower you to know him now. Serving Christ is the most exciting life you could ever imagine. I remember before I got saved, people would be like, you know, we'd be at parties, and people would be getting sloshed drunk. But this is so fun. <laughs> Yeah, bro, we're having the time of our life. I'm like, this is not fun. But now I, when I'm walking with God, I see, I've seen blind eyes open, cancer dissolve. I got to preach the gospel on two airplanes a couple months ago. It was incredible. My life is crazy. I'm married to the hottest woman in the world. I got two kids who love me. When you serve Jesus and you put him first, he will bless your life. You'll live a great, great, great adventure. Amen? Oh, Jesus. How much time do I got here? I got 15 minutes, right? All right. Yep, praise God. Well, what do you want to talk about? Okay, here we go. Have you guys ever taken down a giant before? Yeah? I used to wrestle in high school. And so I can't shoot a basketball to save my life, but I could beat your, I could rip your leg off and beat your daddy with it, all right, in a wrestling match. I'm just kidding. I was a wrestler in high school, 
And uh, one day I was at Bible school years ago, back in again, 19, none of your business. And um, here I am, I'm in the hallway in, 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 in my dorms, and one day this guy walks up to me. His name is Patrick Waters, six foot two, 320 pounds of pure Mexican. <laughs> Patrick was my buddy. But Patrick comes at me one day, and he's, he's got big sausages for fingers. He's a, he used to be a bouncer in a bar before he got saved. And he, he comes at me one day in the hallway, and he's like, come on, Crandall. So I, ru I run up to him, and uh, I juked this way. So he, he left his whole side open. I shot down, grabbed his ankle, picked this big boy up, and he just went, he's like slow motion. <laughs> Hits the ground. I jumped on him like I was mounting a wild stallion. Slapped him in the butt and said, what now, sucker, what now? And then got up and ran for my life. <laughs> Patrick was like, he was going to come get me. But I took him down at 130 pounds. I took down a giant. You see, here's the deal, guys. I know that many of you guys are facing giants in your life. You're facing things that feel like they're way too big for you. Things that just constantly mock you. Like every time you look in the mirror, a new zip pops up. You're like, no, not another one. Or maybe, you, you know, maybe there's, there's, that, there's that giant sitting there in your life that you, you just don't feel like you're accepted like other kids. And it just, it's this giant that just sits there and mocks you and tells you you're never going to be liked like others. Or maybe you have a giant in your life telling you you're never going to be liked by a boy. Or maybe there's a giant sitting in your life telling you God's never going to use your life because you've messed up too much. Or maybe there's a giant sitting in your life telling you you have the wrong skin tone. You should have been born a man. There's all these different things that swirl in the atmosphere called lies that are just looking for somebody to entertain. Because when you entertain a liar, you empower the liar. They're called giants. You see, I want to preach a message right now for just a few minutes called Taking Down the Giants. Because I believe this generation and this youth group, Airborne, is called to take down the giants of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You guys here... And it doesn't take a large group of people. All it takes is a few kids who say, God, not on my watch. I will stop somebody from having sex before they get married. I will, I will love somebody to reach them right where they're at. Is it okay that we're talking about raw and real stuff? Is, is that in your lives? You guys, you guys good with that? Okay, cool. He just said sex. Oh, my gosh. We don't talk about that here. We're in church. You see, here's the deal. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I love, we're going to talk about the story of David and Goliath tonight because it's such a classic story. But this story is so prophetic for this generation because David was a young man who got alone in the presence of God. Just like you guys are up here worshiping, you're loving Jesus, you're just in his presence and you're like sitting there going, yes, God, you got your head tilted, your arms up, you're like, I love you, Lord. And it's just like, I don't feel anything, but I think you're watching. Okay, cool. You're learning how to be in his presence. You're learning how to get comfortable in his presence. You're learning how to let his presence shape your heart and mold the way you see yourself. David was a man who spent time in the presence on the backside of a desert with a bunch of sheep and a guitar. His dad kicked him out there. His dad, he was rejected by his father, rejected by his brothers. He knows a thing or two about going through pain. And instead of just living in pain, he went and he worshiped God 
and he, and he exalted the Lord in the midst of his pain with the responsibility God had given him. He was shaped by the presence of God. And one day a prophet Samuel comes along and says, it's time to anoint the next king of Israel. Bring all your sons in. David's dad's name was Jesse. He brings all the sons in, lines them all up, and God says, nope, rejected him, nope, rejected him, nope, rejected him, goes through a bunch of his sons. They're all rejected. And Jesse's Samuel's sitting there scratching his head going, you got any other sons? And he goes, yeah, that's right. I got one more. I forgot about him. He's out watching the sheep. Somebody go get David. Go. Are you sure? Are you sure? Okay, go get David. So David comes walking in, not even invited first to the party. Anybody else ever battled rejection before? Listen, I'd rather be rejected by men and accepted by God than accepted by man and wondering if God accepts me. Guys, listen, God accepts you right where you're at. It doesn't matter if your mother and your father rejects you. God will never reject you. He is passionate for you. You can grab a hold of the truth that God accepts you as you are, where you are, struggles and all. If you only knew, though, preacher, that's why you need to tell somebody so they can know what's going on in your life and unconditionally love you at the same time. It'll drive that loneliness right out of you. That was free. So here is David. He comes walking in. He's like, what's going on? And all of a sudden he sees the prophet Samuel. And Samuel says, behold, the next king of Israel. And David falls on his knees at 14 or 15 years old and gets anointed the next king of the most powerful nation on the planet. Walks out of there like, you know, an oily mess. I don't know what that was all about. Wow. But the spirit of God began to come on him from that point on. Goes back out to washing the sheep. How many of you guys ever go to youth conference? You get fully anointed. You get whacked, kissed by God. Todd White waves his hand at you, and you're like, ah, right? And then you're like, God, I'll do anything for you. I'll serve. Yes, God. And then you go to school on Monday. Or, or then you go back to your room, and you're like, time to clean your room, Jimmy. Get back and do your chores. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Don't you know I'm called to be the next prophet of America, Mom? <laughs> and your mom's like, bathroom, thanks. Clean the bathroom. Walks away. Listen, the way you handle the mundane things in life is the way you'll be prepared to step into the anointing God's given you. We want to raise the dead, but we won't even clean our room. But when God anoints you, and you do it with a spirit of praise, and you worship, oh, somebody just like, oh, he just went there. He's talking about chores. No, I'm not talking about chores. I'm talking about your life. And when you exalt the Lord in the midst of math, and you give God praise in the middle of cleaning your bathroom, what you're doing is you're saying, I will not let a pity attitude get on me. Uh, the Spirit of God lives on my life. I was born to give God praise. And it's in that moment when God is preparing you to take down giants. David goes back out to the wilderness, just doing what God had called him to do, worshiping God. And what happens? All of a sudden, a bear comes along. And a lion comes along. A flipping lion. A li- now, now, listen. Lions are lions. They're huge. And David comes out there. Guess what happens? A, a bear comes out, and the Bible says that David... At 15 years old or 14, Spirit of God comes on him. He's like, oh, you ain't getting none of my sheep, Jack. (laughs) He comes up and he grabs the bear by his bare hands and he strikes and kills the bear. Does the same thing with the lion and he kills the bear and the lion with his bare hands. What is that? It's called the Spirit of God is on him. And he is like, you will not touch my sheep. You will not touch my bathroom. 
This is my carpet. Amen. You're, well, I'm talking to a generation that's called to take down giants. So then David, David's sitting there. He's just doing what God's called him to do. If you prepare, your time will come. David is, David is, David is, he, he's out, you know, just fixing the sheep. All of a sudden, one day his dad says, hey, there's a battle going on. Israel and the Philistines are, are squaring off against each other. They've been out there for 40 days. Every day a giant named Goliath comes out, and he barks at all of them. And all of Israel, we don't know what's going on. Just go out there and check it out. Here's some bread. Here's some cheese. Go to the front of the battle lines and bring back a report for me. So David gets on the donkey, rides out there, comes walking up. And all of a sudden, this giant Philistine who's two feet taller than Shaquille O'Neal. That's how tall he was. Comes walking out. And imagine a valley. Israel's over here. Philistines are over here. And the Philistine comes walking out, looks at Israel on that side of the valley, and says, hey, send out a man who will fight me. If, we beat, if I beat him, all of you will serve us. If he beats me, we will serve you. Send out a man, anybody, please. Mocks them. And Israel was like knees knocking, just afraid. Why? Because they were being led by a king who cared more about what his friends thought about him than what God thought about him. And he lived a life obeying their voices rather than heaven's. And he lost the presence of God because he couldn't hear the voice of God any longer because he was too concerned about displeasing people than he was displeasing the Lord. Therefore, he had no courage in his heart when he needed it when the giant stood up. It took God anointing a teenager over a 40-something-year-old king for David to step up. And David looked, and David, all he'd been is in the presence of God. He hadn't been out training for war. He hadn't been out, you know, doing important stuff. He'd been worshiping, getting captivated in the presence of the Lord while he did his chores. And one day, his time comes, and he gets put in front of an opportunity and he sees Goliath come down. And you know what David's perspective was? It was shaped from the one who created everything. And he's like, who is this chump? And why are you guys all so afraid? He's an uncircumcised Philistine. Why would you let him defy the armies of the living God? Like in front of like the Marines. You know what I'm saying? And all these guys are just like, oh, who are you? You, dis- you prideful one. Mocking David. And David's like, what will be done for the guy who beats him? They're like, well, he'll never pay taxes again, and he gets to marry the king's daughter. David's like, I'm in. So they bring him before Saul, King Saul, and Saul is like, you want to go up there and fight that Philistine? Anybody who's, who's 15 years old here? Stand up right here. Come here. Come be right here. You want to go out, and you want to fight the Philistine? And he's like, yeah, I'm ready. And then he's like, when the bear came, I struck it and killed it with my bare hands. When the lion came, I did the same thing. This Philistine will be no different. Saul's like, oh, let me put my armor on you. Puts his armor on him. He's like, I can't use this. It doesn't fit me. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not me. So then, he, so David goes down and he gets five smooth stones out of the brook. Because he's got a slingshot. Go ahead and sit down. Thanks, bro. He gets, he gets his slingshot. And the Bible says he walks out there to go find Goliath. I love this story. You guys got to catch this. You got a whole army of people who are possessed with lies. And lies, what do lies produce in your life? Lies produce fear. They were too afraid to face the giant. David's sitting there. 
full of courage. How does a 15-year-old get more courage than the Marine Corps sitting there looking at this massive army? It's because he was shaped by the presence of God, not by the opinions of people. So David goes out there. He gets five smooth stones out of the brook. What else had David been doing? David, David practiced that slingshot over and over and over again. Many times people read the story of David and Goliath, and they're like, oh, it's just so supernatural that he killed a lion. He killed, he killed a giant with a stone. That's just crazy. Actually, it's not because David practiced constantly, 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 and played on that guitar. He worshiped. And he practiced his skill. How many of you guys want to be worship leaders one day? How much time do you practice in your room? You, if you come to your pastor and you're like, Pastor, I want to lead worship. Please affirm me and put me on stage by showing that you believe in my anointing. And he says, cool. When's the last time you practiced? You're like, oh, like three, three months ago. Yeah, you're not going to be up there. Why? Practice, practice, practice. He's practicing his skill. Practicing his skill. Scientists say that when David slung that stone, it was equal to a 45 caliber pistol hitting somebody in the head. That's how powerful he slung that stone. David comes out there. He sees Goliath. This is crazy. Goliath looks at David, and he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. He said, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Philistine said to David, come to me, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David, Goliath's only vision was to simply win a fight. He's like the ultimate junior high bully. That's all he was. Give me your lunch money. Why? Because I'm hungry. That was Goliath. David says in verse 45, this is so powerful, you've got to catch this. You come to me with a sword and spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defiled. This day the Lord will give you into my hands. I'll strike you and take your head from you. And this day I'll give the carcasses of the camp, the Philistines, the birds of the air, and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. What is David's focus? I'm going to make a declaration in the face of the putrid lies and tell you this is what's about to happen. And I'm, gonna be, I'm doing it to show there is a God in Israel. You just want to take my lunch, money, my lunch money. I'm here to show this whole freaking school that God is real. See, when you stand up, when you stand up to make a declaration, what do lies do? Lies simply want your attention. You're alone. Boy's never going to like you. You don't have the right body type, right? I'm not smart enough. Is he saying these things? Yeah, they're lies. They swirl around. I have the wrong skin color. Right? I'll never be anointed. I'm not gifted like so-and-so. It's all lies. What did David do in the face of the Lord? It just got uncomfortable. I just felt that. Did you all feel that? I'm like, ah. It's good because they're all just about to get crucified to the cross. David stands up and in the face of the lies, declares the truth. Makes a declaration of what God says. And the giant falls down. See, you got to grab a hold of the truth. In my book, chapter 4, Your Life Speaks, the beliefs that you carry shape your history. What you declare over your life is actually what shapes your life. Amen? Every giant appears bigger than it really is. But the, the bigger the giants are, the harder they fall. Amen? 
They're just, they're just giants. You know what a giant is? A giant is a lie. A giant is a mouse with a microphone. That's all he is. But here's the truth. Giants are empowered through lies, but the bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? Number three, giants shrink in the presence of the Lord. When you get the presence of God in your life, when you go and you worship the Lord and you spend time with God, the giants will shrink in your life. Amen? Last thing I want to share is this, is, and we're going to pray for anybody here who's battling any kind of lies. But, um, you know, a couple years ago we had a teenager who went to school and, and she just wanted to begin to believe that God could use her at school. So she goes to her library and one day she's sitting there in library class and a teacher comes walking in and her, she had gloves on her hands. And Hosanna's like, what's, what's wrong with your hands? And she says, my hands are numb, my back's in pain constantly, my face is numb, my arms are numb, and I'm losing circulation in my hands. I don't know what's going on, but I'm, it's not good. And so, so Hosanna looks at her, and she says, well, can I pray for you? Now, in those moments, every time I go to step out in faith, and like Hosanna did here, there's always Goliath standing there going, she's going to think you're stupid. It's not going to work. God's not going to heal her. But every time you feel that, it's just time to just turn up the risk a little bit more. Hosanna. Hosanna says, can I pray for you? I believe God will heal you. Prays for her. She felt a little bit of change right there in the moment. She's like, thank you so much. She walks away. The weekend goes by. She comes walking in on Monday. And that, by the way, on Friday, she'd taken her gloves off and her hands were purple. Monday, she comes walking back into the, uh, into the school. And she didn't have gloves on. And she was totally normal. And she says, Hosanna, look at this. Hosanna, this is in high school, senior year. Look at this right here. I got completely healed over the weekend after you prayed for me. My back pain went away. My hands came back. My numbness went away. My, all my circulation went, uh, problems went away. And I, just, I was able to garden all weekend. I've been telling everybody around here at school what happened in my life when you prayed for me. This is at a school that's normally resisted miracles. Come on. How do you take down giants? You take down giants with an act of boldness. You don't think through a giant. You sling your slingshot. She went after that giant and just said, can I pray for you? How many of you have ever done something like that? The other day I was on an airplane. I wanted to preach the gospel on an airplane. I was terrified, out of my mind, to do this. But I knew, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to preach the gospel on an airplane. So, Flight stewardess comes walking by. I said, hey, excuse me. I said, uh, I'd like to make an announcement about Easter on your plane, if that's okay. He said, I can't tell you to do that or not do that. I said, okay, cool. Long story short, later a stewardess comes walking by, and she said, I heard you want to make an announcement on this plane. I said, yes, I do. She said, you want to do it on the PA system? I said, yes, I do. She goes, this plane needs hope. Why don't you come on back here? So I get up, walk to the back of the plane. Sure enough, she's like, I don't even care. You just preach the gospel. Say whatever you want. This plane needs hope. I love this. So she gives me the PA system. 250 people on a, on, a, on a flight. So I'm like, scared out of my mind, guys. I'm afraid. I'm not like, I'm the man of faith and power for this very hour. Bless God, give me the microphone. I do this for a living. No, not at all. I was afraid. I felt, all I felt was fear. I did not feel courageous. There you go. So I get the microphone, and here's the moment. I'm standing there looking at the plane, at the back of everybody's heads. And I'm like, hello, fellow passengers. <laughs> My name is Tom Crandall. 
I'm a pastor, and I'd like to talk to you guys about Easter today. People are like, what? <laughs> and I said, Easter, I love chocolate bunnies and all that stuff, but Easter is not about any of that. Easter is about Jesus Christ. Imagine being on a plane, all of a sudden you just get this, and this is what was going on. Easter is about Jesus Christ, the fact that God sent his only son to die on our place on the cross so we could be free from sin. I said, in light of the Notre Dame Cathedral burning down, that's many times a picture of our lives, that stuff burns down, but the one thing that still remained was the cross of Jesus Christ still remains. Many times people are wondering, what does God look like? God sent his son into the world, not that we to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. God looks like Jesus. That's who he is. I preached the gospel. I said, thank you very much. Gave her back the microphone, and people began to cheer. I walked away, and I was like, whoo, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe I did that. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, my gosh. Freaking out my mind, right? <laughs> well, now I walked away, and a guy walked off the plane. He was rattled. He just had an encounter with God on the plane after I got in preaching. It was so cool. He was just visibly moved. He came up to me, gave me a hug, and he was so thankful that the Lord just touched him. And I'm standing there. All of a sudden, I was filled with, with courage. Ben, I actually felt courage come into me. Before, all I felt was fear. Now, I felt courageous. So the next plane we walked onto, right when I stepped onto the plane, I said, hey guys, my name's Tom Crandall, and my, I'm a pastor, and I'd love to make an announcement about Easter on this plane. And the guy says to me, you can do that on this plane anytime you'd like to. I said, great, I'll be back. <laughs> Go back to my seat, sit down. Two hours later, I get up, and I come walking up to the front of the plane. 200 passengers on the plane. And I said, hey, I'm here to make an announcement. We connected a little bit. He gives me the mic and says, say whatever you want to. Now I'm standing there looking at the front of the plane, and I don't feel fear at all. All I fear, all I feel is anticipation and courage and fire in my bones for what's about to happen. Why? Because I did it afraid when I didn't feel it. Now I'm going to do it courageously when I do feel it. I got to preach the gospel on the plane, said the same message, got done, put the mic down. I began to walk through the plane, and all of a sudden I felt courage fill my bones. I begin to just shout out words of knowledge. Does anybody here have cancer? Christ is the healer. I begin to declare it on the plane as I was walking back to my seat. People were just so shell-shocked that somebody just preached the gospel on the plane that nobody even responded. I was just shell-shocked. Bottom line is, is what I'm saying tonight, guys, is this. It doesn't matter what you feel. Fear is a liar. It's false evidence appearing real. And it's not real. When the lies swirl around when you're looking at the mirror and you feel like, I don't know if I'm good enough or any of that stuff, it's time to pick up your slingshot, get back into the presence of God, let the Lord shape you, and then do something. Obedience is what's going to bring spiritual breakthrough, whether you've got to call a friend, tell your mom what's going on in your life, call your youth pastor, but do something to break that lie in your mind. Amen. So I want to pray for you guys to step into courage right now. So if you're in this place and you'd say, you know what, there's a lie I've been believing about myself or I've been believing just for a while. Or, or if, you, if there was something in your life, here you go, and you're like, I've never told anybody this one before, then this message is for you. It's time to take courage and stop letting the enemy put a lid on your life. Amen. You can't, you're born to do the impossible, to heal people of lung cancer, rabies, <laughs> and, and, and do supernatural stuff. All you got to do, but, if, but if, you, if you let fear cap you, you're not going to flow in the anointing God has for you. 
And there's nothing more frustrating than being a yo-yo Christian. You get yoed up at youth camp, and then you come back down because you're just controlled by fear, and then you, I can't wait for the beach camp again. Then I'll get free and anointed again. So it's like, no, the anointing never left you. You're just learning how to cultivate a new life. Amen? This youth group is called to be courageous, to break through for this region. So if you're here right now and you say, you know what, I want to break lies, with every eye open and everyone looking around and you feel like you got some lies you need to break in your life, stand up, be courageous, do it afraid. There you go. So good. All right, now what I want you to do is find a friend and tell them what lie you've been struggling with. It's going to be hard. It's going to be like, oh, I don't want anybody to tell anybody that. I really feel like same-sex attraction is going to get broken tonight. So grab some friends, grab or you go to your youth pastor, go to one of your youth leaders, and just let them, br just, it, sometimes when you declare a lie, you just get it out, you're like, oh, that's really funny, because that's so not true. Just laugh at the lie. And then, and then I want the other person to declare the truth over that person. So if they say something like, man, I feel alone, listen to them and they say, well, man, that's not true, and then declare the truth over each other, okay? So go ahead. So good. How many of you guys feel better after getting that off your chest, huh? Come on. All right, listen. My book's over there for sale. I want to encourage you guys. Grab your parents. Say, hey, buy me this book. I need to read this, but then you better read it. And uh, I'll be around to sign some books if you want. I'll give you a prophetic word in your book and bless you guys. So come on. Love you guys. This podcast was recorded live at our Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, visit airborneyouth.com.